to start off our Persona 5 journey, we're going to go back and take a little look at the official story recap of Persona 5. This is found in your menu under the system options. This is a pretty good uh, recap of past events, and it covers a few things that we sort of skimmed over. So for good for good measure, here's the official recap of Persona 5 up until the point of the end of Dungeon 1, which we covered up on, on the last episode. Here we go. A black-clad figure dashes through an extravagant casino, carrying with him an extraordinary treasure. Guided by his teammates, the masked thief fights off bizarre monsters as he tries to escape from the casino. Unfortunately, the thief is cornered. He tries to flee by jumping through a window, but finds the police waiting for him outside and is captured. In a dark interrogation room, a young man, the masked thief, is questioned by multiple men. After being roughed up, the young man is told to sign a statement with only one thing written on it, his name. A woman, encount- a woman enters the interrogation room. She introduces herself as Sei Najima, a public prosecutor trying to solve a complicated and strange case. Sai asks about the other world and stealing hearts. Main character, under the influence of drugs, recalls how his life got to where it is now. His memory drifts to April, before he became a phantom thief. So the major, uh, that was the first card, and the first, the major thing we forgot there is uh, we kind of glossed over the drug injection on the main character at the beginning. Yeah, that, that's something I straight up, um, just playing through it, I haven't been to the recap of that yet. I, I did not see that anywhere. Uh, it could be something I missed. Uh, I sort of assumed that all that weird behavior that the main character had during that early area <laughs> was the result of the shotgun to the head that he took, uh, the butt of the shotgun to the head. So it's like, uh, do they ever explain like what that drug is or what goes on with that scene, or do, they, do you just assume that it's like sodium pentothal or something? Explain is a big word. Um, they <laughs> address it. It like there is relevance to it. Like it's, but it's like explain is not exactly what happens. Gotcha. So moving onwards, this is the next card. In his hometown, Bord is found guilty of a crime he didn't commit and receives a criminal record. He is sent to Tokyo to serve out his probation under the care of Sojiro Sakura, a distant acquaintance of his parents. There, he starts his life anew, living in the attic of Sojiro's cafe, LeBlanc. That first night, main character meets a man named Igor in his dreams and learns he must rebel against a fate of ruin. He also meets mysterious twins who instruct him to seek rehabilitation. What kind of fate awaits main character? His first morning at Shujin Academy, main character meets Ryuji Sakamoto. The two wander into a strange castle where a self-declared king almost kills them. Luckily, main character's persona awakens, and with the help of Morgana, all three manage to escape the castle. Okay, so then we go into the castle, and here's the card for the castle at Shujin. Rumors circulate that volleyball coach Suguru Kamashita is having an affair with the student... Antakamaki. However, his past success leads teacher to turn a blind eye. Oh, I have a quick. After finding, I have a quick question about On, real quick. Um, is she meant to be from Iceland? She is a quarter American. Okay. I, there's some of. I, I don't want to take away too much from this, but hearing her last name is uh, Takamaki is like. Oh wait, isn't she supposed to be non-Japanese or foreign or something? But okay, that makes sense. After finding themselves in a strange castle, Ryuji and main character are threatened by a king who looks mysteriously like Kamoshida. They later learn this is to the, his shadow, or true self. Within his palace, where the dark thoughts of distorted minds are brought to life, 
Ryuji's suspicions regarding Kamoshida's abuse and sexual harassment are confirmed. Once a star runner on the track team, Ryuji experienced Kamoshida's cruelty firsthand and wants to use what he saw in the palace to expose Kamoshida. But tragedy strikes. Unable to cope with Kamoshida's sexual harassment, Shiho Suzui, Anne's best friend, leaps from the school roof, leading on to decide that enough is enough. Morgana then reveals that they can change Kamoshida's heart by stealing the source of his desires, his treasure, and so they return to the palace once again. The group defeats the palace ruler and steals his treasure, triggering the real Kamoshida to publicly apologize and turn himself in to the authorities. Realizing they can use their powers to help those who otherwise cannot help themselves, main character and the others agree to continue their work as phantom thieves. Although they have some concerns about the future, their firm resolve pushes them towards in <laughs> pushes them forward into their lives as Fart Squad, the families <laughs> of justice. <laughs> Whatever. So uh, you can tell where the every time I stumbled and said main character, that's where my main character's name appeared, and it was weird to read out loud. <laughs> Huh. So there, there was one thing I'll jump in and add to the the recap right there, and it's that, yeah, Mona does say that you can change his heart by going in and stealing his treasure. Mona also says you might just straight up kill him. Right. So at this... There is a lot of debate on that, yeah. Yeah, and until you, like, actually give it a, give it a try, you don't really know what the outcome is going to be. Yeah, but it, it turned out pretty well for everybody involved, uh... Except for Kamashita, who, as we mentioned last episode, um, tried to kill himself in front of a stage full of students. Mm-hmm. So um, also that, yeah, the game is yeah, so, starting out on a very light mm-hmm. note. The game does skip over some details, which is why we're going to use it sort of as a basis for our conversation, but not the dictator of it. Um, so yeah, we're firmly in. Uh, we're in about June right now in the game. Uh, no, I'm sorry, we're in uh, May. We're in the beginning of May. May. It's about May six. Uh, and we're, uh, it's the spring. Um, you know, there's a test coming up, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the exams. Yep. It's the first round of exams that come up. You're managing your social stats okay, Evan? Oh, yeah. I, a lot of people, a lot of people we've been talking to on the Duckfeed Slack seem to have been having problems managing their social stats. I don't, I never have a problem with it. I don't know how I play differently. Oh, yeah. So j- just to kind of like, uh, let any listeners know, uh, I'm way behind everybody else. Uh, I'm, at the point we're recording this, I am uh, haven't started Dungeon Four yet. Uh, that's mostly because I I moved and was without internet and all this fun stuff. Uh, so yeah, like I've been looking at the Duckfeed Slack every now and then and seeing what people are saying, and it's like, oh, I kind of need I kind of have time later on to work on my social links. Uh, so yeah, I, I've been working really hard to get my stats up, and uh, I didn't pass this first round of exams, incidentally, because because um, <laughs> this is the thing, like with a new Persona game. <clears throat> Part of part of the problem is I was trained by Persona Four Golden, which I have played um, either two or three times. I don't remember the number of loops I've done, but um, my most recent one was at least a New Game Plus, which meant I had maxed out stats at the very start of the game, and so I'm still kind of programmed for that type of Persona game where you roll it up and you just dive heavy into social links. Like everything is nothing but social links, and mm-hmm. I started doing that here, and I was like, oh right, all my stats are still at like mostly ones. Right. So. You know, speaking of those speaking of those moments where it expects you to have new game plus stats, there are far, far less of them in Persona Five than four. Oh yeah. Which is which is nuts. Like they have the one where like there's a teacher and uh, you need to get your proficiency high enough uh, to dodge his piece of paper. 
But the thing is, that event happens again later in the game, and you can just dodge it later when you have better proficiency. Well, I actually think in this episode, there's an event. Um, oh, so I, I, just to dive into the story a little bit, um, after you've stolen uh, Kamashita's heart, uh, you are left with some contraband to sell. And everybody knows that shady airsoft shop will buy literally anything. <laughs> and so you go there and you sell him the contraband. And then either um, in that visit or in a visit soon afterwards, uh, the cops show up. Uh, like there's a detective standing outside. He hands you a paper bag and tells you to just take it and leave. Um so this is important. It was a an Olympic medal, but it wasn't a real Olympic medal. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was a uh, a duplicate formed by Madarame's heart of his Olympic gold medal. And this airsoft guy is like, oh, a bootleg gold medal? I'll give you 30,000 yen for it. I'm just not going to ask how you got it. Because, <laughs> yeah, if a high school kid walks in selling you someone's gold medal in volleyball or swimming or whatever it is, yeah, I'd be suspicious. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, there, there's one of those events that comes up whenever you do that where uh, the cops show up, They, uh, the manager basically hands you a paper bag and says, get out. Uh, you take it, you walk by the cops, uh, you get the opportunity to be shitty to cops, which is a thing the game always lets you do is basically tell the cops to you know, hit pavement and get out of there. Uh, you find out it's a super, super detailed, uh, very realistic airsoft pistol. And you need you need dauntless guts, which I think is either max or one down from max, in order to give it back to the manager. And mm. the game will remind you of that every goddamn time you go to the airsoft shop. Like, yeah, we actually talked about this last time. I think, yeah, <laughs> it's it, 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 it gets stuck in your head because you go to buy, you just have to go buy weapons all the time. Mm -hmm. It's just a thing that you have to do way before you're going to get that guts up. It's really frustrating. And, and every yeah. time Mona makes you feel a little bit a little bit bad, like it's like yeah, let's let's. Let's ask him about the gun. Dot dot dot. <laughs> oh, sh should we not? Okay then. It's like, oh, come on, Mona. Mona's really good at uh, yeah, continuously dude. reminding you thing, or reminding <laughs> me things of that I can't figure out how to trigger. Oh, guys, I'm sorry. I can't do the podcast tonight. I got to go to sleep. Mona's getting on my ass about it. <laughs> Shouldn't have gone to Mementos. <laughs> Let's take this uh, beat by beat, uh, and we'll see what the game doesn't cover, but let's just go card by card here. So card number one. One day, the Phantom Thieves meet Yusuke Kitagawa, who claims to be the pupil of the great Japanese artist Ichiryusai Madarame. So here already I feel like they're skipping something because you you meet Mishima yeah. at this point. Yeah. And Mishima is a social link. He... Uh, he starts a fan site, fan, P-H, because you're the Phantom Thieves, and he starts a fan poll uh, that basically says, uh, what, what was the initial question? Do you think the Phantom Thieves exist? Are the Phantom exist? Thieves just? Yeah. Are the Phantom Thieves just? Okay. Um, and so that, like, becomes this popularity meter for you throughout the game. It's mostly a plot device, but it boy, it sure is satisfying watching it fill all the way up. Mm -hmm. It's been a helpful... <laughs> and also a, reading the comments. Yeah, it, it's been a helpful, like, pseudo-progress meter for me. Yeah, it's very, it's a very nice sense of just, like, slow movement because, like, mementos will, like, pop that up a bit if you complete some mementos tasks. Um, and uh, anytime you complete a dungeon, it's a huge boost. But yeah, it's just a nice little carrot on a stick. Well, um, before we actually meet Yusuke, um, I think, uh, yeah, it's in May. It's the beginning of May when uh, Mementos first opens up to us. 
So right, so it, it, we can do, let's explain mementos mm-hmm. now. So we won't cover in depth all of mementos uh, because of plot stuff. It's going to be easier. We're just going to cover all of it at the end of everything else. Um, mementos, though, is <laughs> when you were playing Persona Four. Did you ever wish, man? I sure wish the dungeon from Persona Three were in this. <laughs> well, now you can have both the. Basically, do you miss the old style Persona dungeons because they're in Mementos now? Yeah. And it is a, um, it doesn't necessarily seem like it's required at the beginning of the game, but it is. You do have to get to the bottom of it. And, uh, it's randomly generated it is, like Tartarus. Yeah. Randomly generated checkpoints halfway through floors. Also, Mona's a bus now. Yeah. And Mona is a bus. We did not mention this the other day. Um, because, guys, we were talking about Mona when I was listening. I was editing the episode very recently, and uh, uh, I said I had some thoughts on Mona that I couldn't share at the time. Evan, Mona turns into a bus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's a pretty cool, like, black classic bus, too. Yeah, it is. It is. And, of course, uh, Mona says uh, right off the bat, um, cats turning into buses is uh, – you know, is a popular thing in popular culture or something like that. <laughs> so it's like infiltrated the po- – so Mementos is the shadow of everybody. Mementos is powered by the subconsciousness of everybody. If you don't have a palace, your, prob- your shadow is probably just in Mementos somewhere. Mm-hmm. And mo- the masses are usually just – Filing in on these trains, going off into nowhere. Mementos is like this weird Lovecraftian maze of train tracks that lead nowhere, um, rail stations, uh, and there are these, like, it's in caves, and there are these, like, veiny veins of red, like, pulsing in the walls. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. I was also going to say, uh, the shadows are terrifying here, too, because they're they're not only, like, creepy and grotesque like the shadows you get normally but when you think about the scale so you're going through this entire thing in a bus all your crew is inside of mona um which is weird but that's another thing um these guys are like twice as tall as a bus so there are these 14 foot tall like towering monstrous shadows just wandering around this like post-apocalyptic abandoned subway system and like aside from mechanically how mementos is kind of crappy i love the way it looks like it is a really cool (laughs) thing thematically it looks very cool It's crappy, I think, in comparison to the other dungeons. Like it's, I don't know. I still, I prefer Mementos over Tartarus. I guess at this point. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I think the the generation is better. But you're right. It's just sort of like randomized dungeon. Blah. It's also a much better um, side quest delivery mechanism than Persona Four. And I know we haven't done Persona Four yet, but um, uh, the side quests there. With the fox. Yeah, like with Persona Four, whenever you get a side quest, uh, what you do is you go back to a previous dungeon that you've already cleared, and either get an item or you beat a special monster there. Mm-hmm. And this basically serves the same role as that, uh, but it's its own dungeon, and um, you can do all of your side quests at once uh, within reason. But you can do a bunch of side quests in one run. That's a very important point, Evan, because in Persona 5, you cannot, in fact, visit palaces that have been completed. Yeah, like the last thing that happens whenever you steal the treasure is uh, this, this, this person's basically world crumbles around them and their whole mental palace just vanishes forever. Yeah. So if you ever do want to, like, get personas of that level from that palace, how you would get those personas is go to Mementos and go to an appropriately leveled section of Mementos and grab the personas that way. That's how you grind for Persona Fusion mm. materials. 
Yeah, and as like a secondary tool for grinding and extra extra progression, that kind of thing. Like, I like it. It's fine. Like, I like to. I like it a lot more than I would like having to go back to an old dungeon to uh, grind. Because the way those things are set up, like they are. I had to backtrack through one dungeon because after not playing the game for a week and a half, I had to play through for um, the next episode we're going to do. And yeah, I had no idea how to get around that dungeon. It was a nightmare. The monster placement was super irritating. If you're going through a second time. Uh, that first time through, it's no problem. It's really cool, and it's neat seeing the ways like each area is kind of like its own mini puzzle encounter. So, I'm I'm glad they did this so that I have kind of a low. I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm being dismissive of it, but kind of a low thought version of their normal dungeons. Mm-hmm. Where I just space out and grind. Yeah, between between mementos and the regular dungeons, um, this is not like a grinding heavy game, which is really, no really fortunate. All right, so do we have um so don't you get on Madarame's trail by because of a rumor from Mishima? That's how I remember it. Oh yeah, so yeah, Mishima whenever you meet him, uh he we we didn't get too much into this, but uh, he's kind of a creep. Um I think he Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. To be perfectly clear, Mishima is a former student of the coach from the first dungeon who basically sided with the coach despite evidence to the contrary. And now that the coach has admitted that is to his wrongdoings, Mishima has decided to try to redeem himself by joining the Phantom Thieves and boosting their profile. Okay, go on. Yeah, and every time you talk to him, like, and this is part of his character, like, this is explained a little bit in the social link uh, or in the confident link uh, that we'll talk about in a later episode. But um, he's kind of creepy. He's extremely clingy, and he is very possessive of the uh, Phantom Thieves brand, mm-hmm. uh, like. He he, ma- he makes frequent mentions to like how his phantom thieves and how you're doing so well thanks to me like all kinds of weird like eh you're running a website guy like you're you're helping you're 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 helping <laughs> but you're not really doing that much for us um <laughs> and one of the things he does early on uh in between the first and the second dungeon is he's like hey we need to, we need to get our profile up we need to get more people on the site more people liking us more people saying that we're just uh let's find a high profile target like a a celebrity or something and that's yeah, his whole your, thing uh, is... your social media manager <laughs> yeah oh uh, yeah he's trying to find you a client oh, yeah, he, basically he gets you real he gets real weird on that uh celebrity one. Oh yeah yep but um yeah i, I think he puts you in touch with um with the whole thing with Madarame and uh, Madarame is, I don't know if we want to, Oh, there'll be a card about that. That's right. We're doing the recap cards. Never mind. Yeah. Right. So should we go on with that? I think we've covered up until we are introduced to Madarame. Well, I guess Yusuke, we can actually just, uh, so Yusuke, yes, we should talk about Yusuke and Madarame as characters. Yes. I suppose. Yusuke is a pupil of Madarame. Um, and you first become aware of him because he's, uh, Kind of sneaking him around, uh, stalking on, isn't he? Oh yeah. Well, he, he's like really obsessed. They run with into her. each other at they run into each other at an, at the exhibit at first, don't they? And then that's how he gets aware of her, and then he starts following her around, right. and being weird about it. That is correct. And then he basically asks on, "Hey, on, will you let me paint you nude?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think I remembered what happened. No, there's a limo with Madarame and Yusuke in it, and the limo stops, and Yusuke like gets out and starts following her while they're just walking around Shibuya. I think that's how this oh, whole thing starts. Right. And then yeah. he just like walks up to her and starts talking about how she's perfect, and he really wants to paint her naked, which that's not a great look. 
And then yeah. you also, at the same time, you meet Matarame, who just kind of like rolls down the window and is like, ha ha, Yusuke, I knew there must be some reason that you got so excited you jumped out of a moving car. <laughs> and he seems, uh, Matarame seems very friendly, very kind and gentle and very forgiving and understanding, uh, which is how he composes himself every single time that you meet him or deal with him publicly, uh, basically up until, uh, up until very, very close to the end of his dungeon. The third card. Yusuke, however, vehemently defends Matarame. The Phantom Thieves debate whether it's right to change a heart if the victim doesn't ask for it. Yeah, and kind of the morality of everything you're doing is going to be an ongoing question uh, through, I think, I'm expecting it to be a question through most of the game. Uh, it, it's it's definitely been a thing that comes up all the time so far for me is like, the, the characters are actively questioning at all times, like, hey, is what we're doing, like, are we actually helping people? Like, nobody's asking us to do this, and... We are actually going in and brainwashing people, effectively. So they're never super comfortable with the morality of that. No, and you're and yeah, it's all, it's always going to be gray, and they're going to do stuff to make it grayer. And it's interesting conflict that they tell a plot. <laughs> um, so page four here. Through the help of Yuki Mishima, oh, there we go, the Phantom Thieves meet Naka Nohara, one of Madarame's former students, which I think is how you found out about the rumor in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, that's right. Uh, Naka Nohara is the one that posted, I think, he posted the request on the Phantom Thieves website basically saying, uh, Madarame stole my art, um, he ruined my name in the art world, and he totally destroyed my future as an artist. Uh, Do something Mm -hmm. about him. That's pretty good motivation to go after this guy. So, page five, after learning about what Matarame is really doing to Yusuke, main character and the others decide they cannot let Matarame get away with it. While searching Matarame's palace for his treasure, Yusuke unexpectedly shows up in the palace and begins to accept the truth about his teacher. So now again, let's just go through the whole dungeon, since we're talking about the palace now. So the palace uh, is a giant art show. No surprise. Um, But it's all... It is lined with the paintings of his former victims instead of their pieces of art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he views them as like this piece of property, like this trophy collection. He's sort of like a very evil uh, Thomas Kincaid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that kind of jives pretty well with the accusation that he is using his students as if they were slaves, stealing their art clinic for his own. Because, yeah, like, if you, use your, if you use your paintbrush to paint a work of art, you don't give the credit to the paintbrush. It's your work of art. And that's very much how he sees his students. Um, and his, so his shadow is like, like how the, him in person is very modest and he's dressed in, like, um, more historical clothing. Um, he, uh, in, his, in his shadow, he's very bright and vibrant and uh, he's got like makeup on and his hair is pulled back with like a hair ornament. He's, he's got like, um, I, I don't want to guess at what it's called because I can't remember, but I, I have seen Japanese men dressed up like he is before. It's like this really flashy. Mm. Um, I think it might be used for like, like a kabuki uh, kind of thing. I think it might be used as like a traditional, like stag night sort of thing, like a, a bachelor party sort of thing. Mm. Uh, but yeah, there, he was wearing like, uh, not a dove. Uh, he's wearing a swan's head on his own head, which is, yeah. Pretty fancy. Yeah, and much like himself, like, the entire palace is the most flashy, gaudy, ostentatious thing possible. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, ima- imagine the most, imagine a very flashy, very modern, uh, very Web 2.0 uh, 
advertisement mm-hmm. for a modern art show. And it's very much like that, which is totally at odds with how everybody perceives him because they see him as a very traditional, very Japanese – like he he wears a kimono like uh, out and about. Uh, it might not be a kimono. I don't know the terminology exactly. But he wears traditional robes out and about around the town and he's very reserved and calm and sensible. And then, yeah, his art show looks like the flashiest, most modern thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to – remember some kind some of the persona you run into in his palace i do remember at the time that you eventually run into and knew those uh giant like um leopard gorilla guys mm-hmm. those guys are dicks oh yeah at the level you run into them at i'm trying to remember i think they have no um they have no weaknesses so it's really just like a DPS because you don't really have a lot of like high critical moves at that point. You could try to rely on your guns, which have a better chance of critical just because you can shoot more. But there is no reliable way to knock them down at that point in the game. Yeah, and that's a trick that SMT games don't it's usually like reserve till later in the game where they're like, all right, now, these are, now you're going to come across um, enemies that have no weaknesses. Um, <laughs> usually, you know, it's like, Trial and error, you can figure it out after a while, and then once you get, you know, once you figure out their weakness, you know, pretty much what to do in each encounter. But uh, yeah, those guys are pretty tough early on. You know, I'm trying to remember anything else that all that interesting about this palace. I mean, this one doesn't really have much of a gimmick. It's just sort of like a basic palace with one puzzle, sort of right at the end. Um, uh, well, there are the uh, Resident Evil laser puzzles. Yeah. Yeah, it introduces a couple. Those of... puzzles. Oh. Yeah, they're like I guess. Oh, I mean, oh, you see what you mean. Like, yeah, I mean, it's door blockades. Like, almost every level has a door blockade system like that, where it's like go to point A to at, to deactivate door at point B. You know. Yeah. yeah. One of the uh, one of the features that I do like about this one is that you can uh, slide underneath them, which is feels really fun. <laughs> oh yeah, that's really cool. If only certain ones, though. Yeah. Uh, there are two other like uh, sort of gimmick rooms that are in this dungeon. Uh, the first one, there's a series of paintings hung up on the wall, and if you get close to the painting, you can jump up in it. And basically, you have to go from one part of the painting to another. It leads a bunch of different paintings. It basically acts like a complicated uh, like uh, puzzle slash maze room, uh, which is it's pretty cool. It's a bunch of different traditional Japanese style paintings. Um, and then the other, I feel like they should have got. I feel like they should have leaned into that harder for the gimmick of the dungeon. Like I feel like on its core, that's a more interesting idea than what's actually the, what the second dungeon actually is. It's a really yeah. cool concept, and it's really well executed. Um, I did find like there was because of you know it's like a fixed perspective when you get into those paintings. It's you know, and I guess it's part of the maze, but it's a little difficult difficult to like figure out some of the navigation. And uh, I was doing a lot of like running around in circles, but yeah, me know. too. Like it, it was really hard to find my orientation with that. Uh, th- there is one other area that is another gimmick, and that is um a little bit later on in the dungeon. There's this whole area that's like an M.C. Escher painting, uh, where you have to solve uh, essentially a puzzle. And uh, we, we can get into that area a little bit later because um there's a character that we need to get on our party before we can really talk about some of the the gimmicks there. Yeah, so you got you got to leave the dungeon first because uh, you get to an impassable point in the dungeon that basically it's like a laser garden wall thing. Am I still am I loud enough, guys? I'm sorry, I'm having back issues today. Oh yeah, you're you're great. Okay, and so I'm leaning in a weird way. Um, one, two, three. 
So you get back out of the dungeon, and so what you're going to do is, here's your plan. Maybe Anne should say yes to being nude in front of Yusuke. So you you get Anne to agree to go to Madarame's place, uh, and um, she's, she'll sneak Morgana in, so Morgana can try to open this uh, secret room in Madarame's house that is tied to the laser garden wall. So on um, does agree. She, she's not a big fan of the plan. So to uh, sort of get around it, she dresses herself in about a th- 80 layers of clothing. <laughs> That's a rough estimate. She's very large. Seems like a reasonable plan. I mean, if you're definitely, if the goal is to make your skin not be seen, she, she did it. She congratulations on. <laughs> so... <laughs> She slowly starts stripping layer by layer. Um, and basically, before she gets all the way down, she's like, oh, it, the lighting in this room sucks. Let's go to let's go to another room. Surely there's another room in here. And, like, basically forces Yusuke to go into Madarame's secret locked forever room. And um, they get inside there, and uh, they find... They actually find anything, or is it just important that they get the door open? <laughs> uh, they find a painting of um, uh, what was that painting called? The really important one. Uh oh, it's uh Shibuya. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, yeah, there, it's, oh, it's, it's famous... the uh, Sayuri. Sayuri, yeah. Uh, the Sayuri is back in there, and not just one Sayuri, but shitloads of them. Uh, there's just it's a it's a big storage area for nothing but the Sayori painting and uh, just to kind of backtrack a little bit, um, that was the painting that everybody was talking about when they were talking about Madarame. It is widely regarded as his most successful, most famous painting, and um, it's effectively like a Mona Lisa but in a Japanese art style, uh, where there's a, wo- a woman with a mysterious look on her face, uh, just kind of like looking down in a way, and like this pe- like a, a purplish cloud. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is an important detail. Um, so <laughs> you, um, you go back to the palace and unexpectedly Yusuke shows up and you fight, uh, you do a little boss fight. Um, I think it's just like a mini boss. I don't remember it any, being anything too special, but you get Yusuke and basic. So mechanically Yusuke is going to be, um, a real heavy physical guy and your ice guy. Um, he also will get some buff spells. I believe it's accuracy invasion for him. Did you guys use Yusuke much in your party or? Um, I used him for this dungeon, then rotated him out because, um, there, there are some better options later on. Yeah. Was- I liked him better than Ryuji. So I kept him, um, cause at this point it was like, you had to start making choices. So I kept him. In, so it was on him, um, main character Morgana. For this dungeon, then the next dungeon I swapped out on, and then um, he basically left my party after that. But by the time you get to dungeon seven, you're going to be rotating everybody out all the time. Yeah, and so but he he's got his uses for sure. Yeah, and one thing um I don't know if we mentioned this in the first episode or not, but uh, uh, your party members share exp, so if you rotate them out, it's not a huge loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, you're in. So that's uh, that's share exp. That is partially true. I mean, you're not wrong, but they they will always get a share of the XP. I think it's like 30% at base. And you can increase that, though, through a social link. 
Yeah, the people the people that weren't like my main party uh, were always about like two or three levels behind, but they stayed like in this you know in like the realm that they were still useful. I turned on the game and Red is there, and I need to figure out which. Y'all there? What piece of art? Yeah, sorry, I had to cough again. The lawn stuff is driving my throat crazy too. Right. Uh, I'm sorry. Something's come up. One second. You need to figure out which piece of art is real. What do you mean? Like he'll sell you phony shit, and I want the real deal. How do you tell? Internet. Oh. Okay, keep going, guys. Uh, yeah, so, um, uh, so Yusuke is a pretty useful party member. Uh, he is kind of duplicative of what, uh, Ryuji already does, so I liked Ryuji a little bit more than, uh, Yusuke at this point in the game, so, yeah, I swapped him out. Um, but yeah, once he unlocks his persona, uh, you're basically, uh, uh oh, actually, one thing we forgot to mention, uh, the whole, the whole reason that you end up with Yusuke, uh, unexpectedly in, uh, the palace is... Anne is in the real world with him, and after the whole strip scene and everything, when they break into that room, uh, they see all the fake uh, Sayuris, and Matarame is furious. Uh, he's yelling at both you and Yusuke, wanting to call the police on you, get you in tons of trouble, and Anne escapes by basically grabbing uh, Yusuke and running into the uh, running into the palace using the app on her phone, uh, which throws him in there. He has this whole awakening that everybody has, and yeah, so that's basically how that happens. Um, uh, but yeah, with, uh, Yusuke in your party, uh, you can now explore the rest of the dungeon. Uh, the area that was previously locked off with lasers and traps is no longer locked off. Um, there's one, uh, one challenge before you can get to the treasure. Uh, that's the room I was mentioning earlier. It's an MC Escher style room where there's no, there's no clear logical connection between areas. Uh, there are these weird portal doorways and gateways and, uh, you warp around for a while. Eventually you start seeing, uh, Sayuri paintings. And, um, it's, it's basically kind of like a memory test, uh, sort of bullshit. Uh, basically you have to remember exactly what the real Sayuri painting looks like. Uh, because in each of these rooms, there will be one accurate Sayuri painting and then, uh, either one or more additional, uh, fake Sayuris. And if you pick one of the fake ones, it summons a pretty powerful enemy for you to fight. And then you get to pick all over again. Uh, you pick the real one, it lets you onto the next area. Uh, once you've done that, you're uh, more or less in the treasure room. Uh, there's some more traps with uh, lasers and um, yeah, lasers, enemies, walls, all kinds of fun security stuff kind of introducing you to their – essentially their switch and key system. Uh, once you get once you get everything taken care of in that room, uh, you are now ready to uh, – uh, basically, once you, once you clear all the traps, you find where the treasure is. And it's in this big room with catwalks all over it and all kinds of different ways to get to it. Uh, but it is uh, – it is time for you to leave the dungeon and, like with the first one, send out your calling card. Mm-hmm. How do you do it this time around? I'm forgetting. So basically, you let, uh, Ryuji does it again. It's a kind of thing where everybody's uh, hanging out in the uh, access way, which is their... Um, I don't know if they've switched secret hideouts yet. Uh, they switched secret hideouts at some point. Um, they're all hanging out at their secret hideout talking about the calling card and Ryuji's... And everybody's like, oh, that last one was so shitty. Like, let's have someone better do it. But nobody has a better idea, so Ryuji just does the exact same thing again. <laughs> Good old Ryuji. No, eventually, well, now that they have an artist, they really should have let him do that. But, oh well. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that'll come up. <laughs> but yeah, so with uh, with Madarame properly alerted to your presence, uh, you can now move on to raiding the um, uh, raiding his palace and stealing his treasure. Let's see, boss fight, boss fight. 
Yeah, this so uh, basically the. It, it goes kind of weird. Uh, you get like a Mission Impossible style thing where Mona gets lowered in uh, to steal the treasure. It's a painting, apparently. It's it's a painting wrapped up in um, uh, wrapped up in uh, paper, so you can't see what it is, and it's guarded by all. Did we talk about the puzzle where you where you uh, spot the fake? Yeah. Painting. Yeah. Okay. I actually thought that was kind of an okay puzzle. Yeah. I, I don't like the puzzles in this game. I guess I should be upfront about that. They remind me of bad Zelda puzzles. I didn't like the last of the uh, Sayuri puzzles that makes you do, uh, where it, it's a whole line of paintings that, as far as I could tell, look absolutely identical. I couldn't detect a difference in any of them, and every one I picked was always wrong, So until the last one, obviously. The color of the cloud was different. Mm. So this, I'm playing this on a PC monitor. Usually that's not an issue. Um, I know the color gamut is a little bit different on a PC monitor, so sometimes, like uh, Wii U games, I can't really use on this because the blacks look all wrong. Um, they're, they're, uh, all the hues are wrong. So like, it might be that my screen is just not letting me see that, but I even looked at the clouds. I couldn't see anything. Like I could not tell. Weird. The difference. Well, no big deal, but yeah, they're, it's iffy. Um, but yeah, in general, just man, these puzzles, whatever. I mean, I get it. You can't just have a bunch of battles in a dungeon. That would be really shitty. <laughs> I don't really know what the correct answer is though. I don't yeah, know. A, I'll take them over the teleporter, teleporter, uh, puzzles. Oh, I will take these over teleporter puzzles. I will absolutely take these over teleporter puzzles. <laughs> no more poison for floor puzzles ever, please. <laughs> yeah, well, um, we'll see about that. <laughs> so we got a boss fight on our hands. We confront Matarame, and he uh, his shadow transforms into um, the, like a face that's five paintings. Yeah, five very animating paintings. Yeah. Here's the trick: in this boss fight, you can't cast. Um, all like hit them all spells mm-hmm. because one of them is uh absorbs magic yeah and they have different uh they have different weaknesses don't they yeah. yes and they'll so also each individual heal painting each other. yes um and you need to knock them down like yeah they they will if you one of them has extraordinary amounts of health compared to the other ones which is the one that's uh you can't cast magic on because it will absorb it um he will resuscitate and revive the other paintings after a while, but you, they only spawn, I think with as much health as he has left. Yeah, that sounds right. But basically you want to kind of like manage it and try and get them all down simultaneously. Yeah, Cause if you can knock them, yeah, if you can knock them all down and then like rush him, he, that knocks out most of his health. It's not a particular, it's a, like, it's a longish boss fight. Like I, remember starting it an hour before work one day and then like i was like tapping like going through dialogue as fast as possible to get to work on time <laughs> and there's there's one thing that happens uh, uh throughout this boss fight so one thing that you'll see a lot of in this persona game is kind of the almost a zelda style uh three hits sort of uh, enemy mechanic where you have the first boss that you fight and then once you get this guy down enough in health the, the five paintings it sort of melts down into the floor and Madarame's shadow comes out of it again. And that's when you have the chance to do damage to the real boss, which is uh, Madarame himself. And uh, Madarame has a couple of kind of kind of nasty abilities. Uh, one in particular, I forget what it's called, but he basically paints you, uh, one of your characters, entirely in black ink. And that makes you weak to everything, which is uh, very unpleasant to say the least. Uh, then after a few mm-hmm. turns of taking hits and abuse, he reverts back to the five creepy pictures who are back with... Um, 
I don't know if they heal themselves between phases or if it just starts at their old health. But uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, but basically, this fight is mostly just alternating between the Madarame phase and the Madarame painting phase. And you, you'll get like uh, two or three turns to attack Madarame before he goes back to the full painting. Uh, a couple of interesting things about the fight. Um, because of the phase switching uh, so often and because of the fact that one of his phases is five enemies and not one, uh, debuffs are very... Um, debuffs are, are, are a little bit useful in Madarame. Uh, you can slap uh, defense down on him to nuke him down faster. Uh, but you can't really use them at all against the paintings. So it's kind of signaling early on that you can't do the Persona 4 thing and just uh, debuff every single enemy you come to. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, uh, one, one thing that helped me out in this fight, uh, you do have to split, uh, like mentioned earlier, uh, physical and magic. And it makes it a little bit easier because at this point in the game, half of your characters are very physical, half of them are mostly magical. Uh, so depending on who you had in your party, like this could be a pretty, uh, pretty easy fight just to have half your people going after uh, one or the other. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Yeah, and then once you nuke it down, um, Madarame's shadow dissolves, or Madarame's uh, painting form dissolves away, and it's just his shadow left. And um, you get some, I don't know if one of you guys wanted to cover this part or not, but there are some really interesting um, confessions you get at the very end. Um, no, I don't really remember. Okay, so uh, basically the, the scene that plays out, <laughs> uh, th that's totally fine. Uh, this is incidentally one advantage of me being totally unable to play this game, is that I'm talking about stuff that I've, it's still pretty recent. There has been much yeah. persona between then and now for me. Um, oh yeah, basically what happens is he does the usual thing where he sort of like pleads for mercy and uh, assumes you're going to kill him. Is kind of bummed that you aren't killing him right away. Like he he, he kind of wants it just to be over. Um, but he confesses to um, uh, to Yusuke that Sayuri was in fact his mom's painting. It wasn't it wasn't his. He stole it from uh, Yusuke's mom. Uh, sort of helped kill Yusuke's mom. Uh, kind of helped push her toward death, uh, but didn't necessarily like shoot her or anything. Uh, but basically, she she had she had a, con a chronic condition. Uh, the mom had a seizure, and he thought that this would be a very good opportunity to not call anybody to help her, so that she would die right there, and he could take the Sayuri painting and claim it for himself. And uh, this is kind of presented as so Sayuri was his breakthrough as an artist. This was his first big major piece. Uh, so now, correct me if I'm wrong. When I was playing, I felt like I never knew that I was supposed to care about Yusuke's mom. It it doesn't come up too often. Um, Yusuke mentions a couple of times uh, uh, that his, that uh, Madarame took him in whenever his mom died, and he mentions and he mentions once that his mom was a student of Madarame's who uh, died while they were living with him. So like, mm. it, it's kind of presented early on that when his dad dies, Madarame basically adopts the family, and then once his mom dies, he adopted Yusuke. Unofficially. Unofficially. Uh, but yeah, like you, you find out that not only did his mom die under Madarame's care, uh, Madarame let her die through inaction and um, stole Sayuri. And then uh, basically the scam he was running was he stole the Sayuri, became famous for it, uh, then claimed it was stolen from him. Uh, at which point he went on to make counterfeit Sayuris, where he would then approach various wealthy people from the art world and tell them, oh, I've come in possession of the real Sayuri again, but I, I, can't, I can't sell it through legitimate means, so I need to sell it to your back channel. And he would then dispense one of his hundreds of fake Sayuris onto somebody for you know, millions of yen. And here's what we find out when we check out his treasure now manifest in the real world. The treasure is, in fact, the original Sayuri without any alteration 
Gasp, what's that where the cloud normally is? <gasps> it's Yusuke as a baby. Yeah, and uh, Madarame basically says when confronted, like, why did you try to erase out this baby? And he basically says the most, like, shitty consumerist thing possible. And I think this was meant to be, like, the nail in the coffin of him as a legitimate artist worthy of respect <laughs> at all. Because uh, there's there's some question of, like, was this guy a good artist once who went bad? Um, he straight up says, like, well, yeah, it had it had a baby in it. The problem wasn't that it was the baby. The problem wasn't you or, or Sayuri. The problem was it's easier to market this painting to people if people don't know why she's smiling the way she is. So <laughs> let's, just, let's just put a cloud here to make it more mysterious and it'll sell millions. So, yeah. I mean, in a way, isn't marketing a form of art? <laughs> um, so he gets, his, he gets his confession out. Uh, final card for this chapter. All the while. A perceptive young man, an equally sharp young woman, watch as the news speculates about the Phantom Thieves. So you're introduced to some characters in this uh, section of the game that will become important later on. You do, when you're uh, infiltrating Madarame's house, you are interrupted by a reporter, Oya. Uh, she will be a social link and is a great source for charm if you need charm throughout the game. Um, the young woman they're talking about is Makoto she is, uh, she will, I don't know, as soon as you meet her, it's pretty obvious, I think, that she's going to be a main character. I mean, she has the main character portrait. Yeah. Yeah. But main for, now, portrait. for now, she's just uh, ga- gathering evidence for the principal. Yes, and you can uh, you can run into her before she even has a proper introduction in the library in chapter one. Um, she's just sitting there and she basically says, don't you have something better to do? <laughs> so then the, then the, the principal starts asking her to like, follow you around and gather Intel. And Paul didn't notice this, Evan. I'm not sure if you did either, but when you're just walking around the overworld map during dungeon two time, mm-hmm. she'll just be following you pretending to read a magazine. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I noticed it. Um, yeah. So I noticed it around dungeon two time. I noticed it in the, um, uh, that that main street on Shibuya Station, kind of where the airsoft gun, uh, airsoft place, and everything is. I saw her on yeah. one end, and then I saw her on another another end, and she was reading the magazine both times. So I just went up to her and talked to her, and she says a thing like, "Oh, what? No, I'm not. I'm not here for you. I'm not here to see you. I'm just. I'm just out enjoying the weather, or something <laughs> like that." Yeah, it's great. I love it. it it's really adorable the way it looks. It's so too. good. <laughs> Like this was actually the turning point for me on on um on her as a character, uh, the student council president. Like everything I had seen about her so far, it was obvious they were making her out to be like a sympathetic character later in the game. Mm-hmm. But um, as soon as I saw this, like okay, this is this is hilarious. Like this this is naive and <laughs> adorable and just there's so much character here. Like okay, I, I like this character. So yeah, it's really it's great. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um. The young man they're talking about is Goro Akechi. Um, he's like a famed young detective boy. Um, apparently the second prince detective, like like Naoto was? I don't really understand yeah, the that. the series loves their teenage detectives. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, that's Akechi. I, I definitely know that the, the boy detective thing is a, is a big thing in at, at least – the sort of Japanese uh, media that would leak over to the U.S. like in the 90s, early 2000s. There was a lot of... My understanding is Conan is a big deal. Yeah, there's like 900 episodes of that. 
like the Conan yeah. boy detective. <laughs> and like, and that's some that's some bullshit, by the way, because that's he's not a real boy detective. He's a grown man that got turned into a and boy. He's, he got turned into a boy. That is a little <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> so, like, that's letter of the law, but not spirit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. So, bad enemies aside, yeah, he is a boy detective. Um. He's immediately a little bit more likable than Naoto because um, he's less um, less less defensive, I guess. Uh, Naoto is a very um, Naoto is very much looking to establish legitimacy as a detective and is like fighting for that. Uh, whereas this guy is immediately very comfortable in his role as a de- detective, so it's you know he seems much more at ease yeah. and natural. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, with that in mind, I think we're done with Dungeon 2, and with that, most of our talk for this episode. Did we have closing thoughts or anything else we wanted to get out? Nope, uh, this this is a good game, and this this dungeon was when I knew this game was definitely going to be good. Yeah. For sure. Like, the first one was a good indicator, but, like, they, they always put their best foot forward, so you kind of got to, like, see what the game is actually like. Yeah. It also shows you that the, um, you know, the puzzles... You may like some, you may dislike some, but they are, like, going to be consistently inventive. They're not going to, like, just kind of, like, you know, introduce a few mechanics at the beginning of the game and then repeat them over and over. Mm-hmm. I'm also, it was also the one where I realized, okay, they're not just going to make me do a castle nine times in a row. That's nice. Yeah. Boy, I'm tired. You guys are all tired, too. I can hear Yes, that. sir. We're all tired. Evan, uh, enjoy your new place. Mm-hmm. Well, thank I'm you. glad you moved. I'm glad you, you, you're all safe and sound. Thank you. Um, but you know, you, you guys checked for mold already, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Because with mold, you never see it coming. You never see it coming.